This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. From lunch through to tea, this is Afternoons with Staffy on SENZ. Welcome to the 1st of February. As I mentioned yesterday, we're 8.3% of the way through the year with one month down. Good to have your company here on the afternoon show. Myself and Sammy will guide you through the next three hours. Uh, in the show, we have James Burridge just after one o'clock, BBC rugby commentator. Six Nations underway this weekend. France and Ireland, nine o'clock Saturday morning. Why wouldn't you? How hard's that going to be for Ireland to go back to the country of doom for them from the World Cup? when they got bundled out in the quarterfinals, who by us. Um, so that'll be an interesting watch, but I'm very much looking forward to Six Nations, so excited to catch up with James Burridge after one. Hopefully, fingers crossed, it's one of two things are going to happen. Andrew McFadden, the Warriors Recruitment and Pathways Manager, with both the SG Ball and the Harold Matthews team, they are debuting for the club this weekend. Um, haven't heard quite back from him whether he's going to be free or not. We'll see. Uh, David Dome, Wellington Phoenix General Manager. The club are absolutely kicking goals at the moment. Two points clear at the top of the table in the A-League and they've got a marquee game. A great opportunity if you go and watch on Waitangi Day. Four o'clock kickoff in Wellington. Let's call them the Waitangi Phoenix uh, for Tuesday. No reason not to get along. They are flying and they're taking on the defending champions, Central Coast Mariners and they are sitting on third on the table. So Wellingtonians and people in that area, get behind your team. Make a difference. And a new signing from Costa Rica as well. I want to talk to him about that. But right now we're going to kick off the show. I'm very delighted. At virtually no notice, Mark Robinson, the CEO of New Zealand Rugby, and I've had a standing joke for quite some time whenever I walk past them in the cafe because we share the same building. He sort of says to me, oh, I have to come on your show one day. And we just sort of giggle each other. And I said, let's make it today. And he said, okay, so here he is, Robbo, good to have you in here. Great, nothing like a little impromptu staff, so um, awesome to be on, and great to see you in such good form, coming off a nice break, and I think everyone's feeling the same, it's a hell of a lot different summer, hasn't it been this summer than, than maybe the last couple, so uh, great to be on, and hello to the listeners, and happy to chat. Yeah, um, I just want to know what you did over summer, actually, like, you're a family man, and uh, you, you have a very... Uh, important job and a stressful job and a time-consuming job. Do you do you find time to get away? Do you surf? Do you fish? What do you do? Uh, definitely got time away. I've, I've stayed in uh, in New Zealand. It's a beautiful country that we're uh, fortunate enough to live in. So yeah, I stayed between the the Coromandel and I was down home in Taranaki 
um, for a small part of it, but most of the time I was in the Coromandel with the family. And um, we, I can't say I surf and I don't really like fishing, but I spent a lot of time with my family and a lot of close friends. I got out um, enjoying mountain biking. There's some great parks oh, nice. out there around the, I played a little bit of golf. Um, wasn't too bad, you know, of the two or three games I played. Um, sort of uh, the majority, you know, I didn't get too frustrated and break any clubs or do anything crazy. So it was it was good to do that. But um, and follow the kids. The kids do a lot of surf life saving and into that's as a sport, which is amazing. We have a lot of good friends um, through being involved in, in in that sporting code, and uh, you know it's just great to be on the beach and around people mm. and socialising and that. So yeah, definitely feel like I I got a bit of time out and and rearing to go into the year. Mm, yeah, the batteries do need recharging. Um, New Zealand rugby, you always uh, have reviews and um, feedback situations. How, how do you how do you sum up twenty twenty three? It was a roller coaster. Oh, look, I think from the outside looking in, people, you know, often have that sort of view because we're, you know, there is a huge amount of scrutiny on the mm. game. And we, and we welcome that, you know. Um, and a lot of the things that are, that are public facing, you know, um, in, in, uh, through last year, uh, we were a bit up and down at different times. But when you step back and you look at all the different things that we're involved in through community game, player safety and welfare and research on concussion, um, our domestic game and player growth, you know, was took a took a big step up. Um, the our teams in black performed incredibly well. If you look at two sevens teams, world champions, um, sorry, world, world seven series winners, um, black ferns performed well. You know, we've got a bit of work to do based on WXV, and then no one will ever forget, you know, the run the All Blacks had um, coming into the and through the World Cup, where you know, even though we're Obviously disappointed with that final result. I think overall people are incredibly proud of of the campaign and the way, not only on the field, the way the the, the courage of the team and the performance, but also the way they connected with fans right around the country and, and the world for that matter. So, so you know, by and large, we we see things really um, you know positively about the foundation we now have to to work from and are, and are looking forward to another great year. There's you know just announced this morning the the All Blacks test schedule for the year. We we announced um, everything we could around the Black Fern schedule for for the year yesterday. Um, and man, I don't think we've ever played any more international rugby. You know that fans can uh, get involved with. So looking forward, um, we've got a whole lot of initiatives in the community game. We're excited about. We think Super will be. You know, we'll make a great start with that um, re- repeat of the op- uh, of the final and the opening game this year. So, you know, we're, we're pretty amped and looking forward to it. What are the challenges? Like, um, I sit here Monday to Friday just about the whole year, and the biggest challenge from the outside looking in is MPC, and there are a few quotes and a few grabs, and we've had um, chairs of boards, we've had CEOs on, we've had New Zealand Rugby on, we've had Langston a few times. Is that the hardest problem to solve is what do we do with MPC? Well we don't I don't think we look at that you know you, there's there's a range of different challenges right across the game and I think the, the the challenge is bringing all that together across all the different stakeholders and moving parts of the game and and trying to create you know a model for the future that really works for everyone um, so we value the MPC hugely um, you know we know it's got a critical part in, in the overall um, fabric of our game the Competition's a vital development pathway for players and coaches. And it's at the heart of communities, which we talk about a lot around the country. You know, we have an amazing um, set of 26 provincial unions where uh, in their representative programs, they find a way to connect and bring all their communities together. So we see it as really important. But as we've said, we've got to find a way to 
um, work through how our overall domestic and semi-professional and professional competitions can work and then how does that feed into the uh, into the community game and that's not by solely looking at just one part of it, you know, that's a, a bigger jigsaw puzzle to work through. Yeah, because I, I sort of wonder how much influence or direction does New Zealand rugby have versus the individual unions? Like they can't just sit there and be told what to do. They have to be, and, and I've seen a, a lot of uh, innovation in a lot of um, unions, like I'm very close to the Manawatu Union and what they're doing in a development and identifying 13 and 14-year-olds and making it a high-performance nerve centre, a development, an identification area of this age. And they've freely said they won't be able to hold all of them. They'll get poached by other teams. But if they can hold four or five, they can really try and build something. So how much of a, trying to find the right words, I don't want to say a big stick, but how much of a direction can you give them and how much hands off do you have to be in the MPC space? I mean, overall, it's our it's our responsibility to lead and foster the game, isn't it? So, you know, we, we take that incredibly seriously, but we can't do that on our own. So uh, we definitely need partnerships right across the game. And as we're talking about, you know, the MPC, that's definitely a, a space where we are working with 26 unions and they're all slightly different. Mm. You know, they all have different population base or a different, um, you know, socioeconomic base or platform. And we have to take all of that into consideration when we think about some of the challenges we spoke about in the last um, question about how we sort of take this forward and recognise there's some great things happening. Um, but there's just a few tweaks we've got to make with our overall model to, to um, carry on. We we think we made some great, you know, um, uh, development around some of the ways we connect with fans. We think the way that we're leading safety in the game and law reform in the game to make, you know, the spectacles more attractive are, are definitely world leading. And, and I think the statistics through NPC and Super Rugby last year showed that by comparison to some of the other rugby around the world. We're really, you know, hot on that as we go into these meetings at the end of the year in, in the UK and Europe about where we think the future of the game lies for the fans and the and the shape of the game especially. So all of those things we're really passionate about, we think we can make a difference in. Um, but you're right, nothing can happen in isolation. You need you need collaboration, you need a bit of consensus. And, and the reality is... Uh, that takes time. You talk about the meetings up in the Northern Hemisphere. The the sort of feeling I used to get was quite often New Zealand um, wanted to be more innovative on the world stage, but there were roadblocks from the home nations because their Six Nations, look, it's a fantastic tournament and it sells out and it's a huge money spinner for them and they're a not broke, don't fix it type thing. Do you feel like it's softened a little bit and they're a little bit more open to Southern Hemisphere or non-Six Nations unions about some some innovation we can bring into the game globally? Uh, I do. You know, I, I, I'm really heartened by the conversation since the World Cup. Look, at, at the World Cup, don't get me wrong, we saw some amazing rugby, didn't we? You know, Absolutely. Fantastic um, events, spectacles and, and um, some amazing rugby on the field. But we saw... Um, some contests and some aspects of the game that I think everyone knew were incredibly frustrating for the fans. So the question is, how can we create? Um, and I don't like using this word around the around the game of product <laughs> that um, that we can all be proud of more consistently. That gets us out of our seats more often. Mm. Um, that people want to talk about for weeks and weeks afterward because it was such a great contest and such a um, amazing spectacle. And that's that's where we're trying to. You know, work at the moment. So the fans are telling us they want more tempo in the game, they want more ball movement, you know, they want more wide sweeping sort of movements ac across the game. And and we think we can create that that product. Um, we, we're really, really um, adamant that 
the combination of the feedback we're getting from fans, um, from our leading coaches, from our players, you know, is all and our high performance people is all leading in a direction that we can make a really positive change for the game. Yeah, that's always been the New Zealand brand is a little bit more expansive and um, probably a little bit unfairly that the Northern Hemisphere score in threes. Um, I think they've moved on a little bit from that, maybe not England, um, but I think what we've seen with the evolution of France and Ireland in particular have really taken the game to the next level. Do, do you... The changes in the games and the laws and the tempos and all those things you sort of touched on can seem to move at glacial speed. Is that because there's so many different fingers that need to come to agreement? And I don't like to compare rugby with rugby league, but that, the NRL is one body, one thing, and they can change a rule tomorrow. Um, is that one of the challenges is to get unity? Yeah, it is, and this is one of the issues, you know, I, I don't want to... Um, the sport, sporting codes are different. You know, we mm. are playing in a, a in a global, a truly global game. I think Rugby World Cup now is one of the three or four top most watched sporting events in the world. You know, so um, and it has World Rugby has something like over a hundred members um, in terms of council members um, with voting rights. It has, I'm guessing now, but it's probably in the vicinity of twenty odd um, members um, who are across major decisions. So therefore, there's just a lot more complexity and time involved um, in being able to do that. If I look back, though, in the time that sort of I've been involved, the appetite it feels like at the moment, normally we work on a four-year cycle for law change around the game. There's definitely an appetite going into these meetings that it'll be a lot quicker than that. So we should be able to see more tangible movement um, on, on law reform more quickly after these meetings. And I would say that... Um, in New Zealand and Australia, you know the changes were made in Super Rugby, which people were largely very positive about last year. Um, do give us an example of how we can provide leadership. Um, so not only can we respond to the needs of and and wants of our own fans, but we can trial things and then share these back into the into the northern hemisphere and say, look, this is what's possible around the game. Yeah, Super Rugby just around the corner, as you say, and people always very much look forward to it. It's the best that we've got on offer here. Go out and play. Um, Melbourne Rebels, is it's it's a shame what's happened with them. Is that a concern for you, for Southern Hemisphere Rugby? Is this not a signpost of things to come, but it's a concern. It's got to be a concern. Yeah, I mean, well... Yeah, but it's not it's not an isolated case as it relates to the global game at the moment, is it, staff? I mean, we see um, in the MLR with the US competition recently, we had two or three teams that unfortunately folded. We've seen three in the English Premiership, probably one of the strongest commercial bases for the game in the world, um, with three really proud clubs, unfortunately, um, head down a similar path. And we know there are um, challenges across virtually every, every um, nation in the world at the moment, saving probably... You know, maybe Japan and France. Um, everyone else has challenges with that level of the game. So, uh, look, I had, a, I had a good chat with um, Phil War on Friday, and and got a bit of insight for what he could share at that time. We're catching up again on Friday this week, tomorrow, and um, we'll get a bit more of a download then. And and as we've said consistently with the Aussies in recent times, you know, we're there to help if we possibly can. But largely, this is an issue for the Aussies to to work through. I don't know. And Phil and Dan, they've got a couple of great people who care deeply about the game, and they'll they'll work through it. It's it's to your point though. It's just 
having developed the commission for Super Rugby recently and signed mm. that off at the end of last year and then be working quite closely. It's a, it's an interesting first challenge for the board to sort of look at. Um, but these things are a combination of the national unions and, and that Super Rugby commission to sort of think about. And we are thinking about the future state of the competition from, from 26 onwards. So there's already some thinking in parallel that's going on there. We just might have to bring that you know forward in terms of consideration of that work. What does the governance of Super Rugby look like now? Because we had Sanzar, but of course South Africa aren't involved anymore. We've had um, Japan come and go, uh, the Sunwolves, we've had the Hawaris come and go. Um, is it an ever-evolving beast? Are you always looking for maybe we can expand, maybe we need to shrink? And what does the governance look like and, and is that their role? Well, the the governance is, in the commission, is, um, in the joint venture between New Zealand and Australia, there's a certain amount of a few issues that are of critical importance to national unions, so we sort of leave those to national unions. And by and large, the role of the of the um, commission is to be more targeted and focused on the competition 365 days of the year. National unions, as you said before, have got lots of different things on mm. their plates. So how um, having a having a, uh, a a really dedicated focus on the competition and then being driven to really understand what fans want and respond to those needs of the fans and, and what they want to see in the competition, be it you know, marketing and communications around it, being draw, be it theme weekends, be it formats, all of those different things um, are on the plate for the commission to, to work through. And so being more joined up across, right across all the territories of the competition are part of that as well. The, the consideration of teams that might... Um, you know, make up the composition of the competition are a combination for national unions and the commission to work through. So is there, could, could you see in the next five years, um, countries other than the ones that are in super now, Aussie, New Zealand, Fiji, more Pacific, could you see that in five years a likelihood of another nation having a super rugby team? Look, there's a lot of, a lot of work to do in this space. I mean, it is possible. Um, when you think about... What we've been through with you know COVID, the last sort of three or four years, two and a half years of that dominated by COVID, uh, some fragility around the game globally mm. in, the, in the professional club space, that is a tricky sort of backdrop to work within. But you've also got to recognise we have to respond to, um, again, creating a, a real strong commercial base for the competition and really trying to light a fuse under the fans about what's exciting and, and interesting. And so... You know, the conversations about places like um, Japan, um, North America, South America are all things that are sort of being committed to with more work at the moment. And and I think you can see by virtue of the announcement this morning, the game going to San Diego, um, we definitely have an eye on what the west coast of the states especially looks like, that time zone's friendly, the, the travel and logistics um, uh, are relatively friendly. Um, we know the Hagueries were an amazing team, you know, by the end of their time in Super mm. Rugby, um, we're in, in close contact with Gus Pichot about, you know, um, the possibility of what um, Argentina might be able to do in the future. But there's a lot of a lot of water to go into the bridge. Japan, I mean, two of our teams are going up to Japan starting on the weekend. I think they're playing <laughs> Blues and Chiefs, so mm. really strong connections in there. We launched a fantastic MOU last year. Um, with Japanese rugby because we, we see, um, even though we might not be connecting in super rugby yet, we see the fan base there, 130 million people with a massive amount of All Blacks fans um, and a growing interest in the women's game as well as being a real ally in this part of the world for helping to um, grow and expand and, and foster the future of the game. And finally, last thing I want to talk to you about is the test schedule, which was announced this morning. Ticks a lot of boxes. Uh, there's a lot of travel. Um, hosting England, which is awesome here. Uh, 
Fiji is our third game in San Diego. Snapdragon Stadium, which is just a great name. Oh, you've probably spoken to the Fiji Rugby Union. How excited are they for this? And two-part question, did they fight to get it to be played in Fiji or are they happy to go to America? Um, so, yes, we're incredibly excited. You know, we're, we think... Um, you know that we think this is an absolute win-win on a number of fronts. It's it's good for the game in the United States and building awareness um, and visibility of the game um, there. We, as I said, we're interested in the in the West Coast, especially about future possibilities. So uh, that's positive. Fiji themselves have um, a massive fan base on the West Coast of the states. I was up there a few years ago, the 2018 um, Rugby Sevens World Cup, and I think 75 to 80 percent of the of the fan base were Fijian coming out of um, you know different areas of the of the west coast of the states, they've actually unbeknown to me before this, they were actually um, also got a number of connections to existing and possible sponsors themselves mm. into that region. So they're excited about being able to leverage this opportunity um, through the game there too. So so yes, they're um, they're, they're pumped. We've had an amazing launch. I don't know if you've seen it, Steph, but we've got you know Jason Mamau has come out this morning, done a great job. He's unbeknown to me, he was on our team around um, thinking of this whole idea and part of our logistics and operations team he's claimed this morning on a post, which is, is awesome, <laughs> and he'll be there and is going to get right in behind it. We've got another... You know, a range of high-profile people have come right in behind the game and are, are getting excited. So, so we're all, you know, um, really looking forward to that. Um, in terms of staging the game in Fiji, we did look at that for, you know, for significant periods of last year. There were a few things, uh, you know, happening. A few different reasons probably why it couldn't it couldn't come off this year. But we haven't given up hope. We might be able to do that in the future. And we're also looking at opportunities with the Maori All Blacks and All Blacks 15 to be able to take games into the islands as well. So. Um, when you weigh all that up, you know, but I think both parties were really understanding of of the reason for going to the states in the end, and um, and we've just got to keep that commitment going. They know we're deeply passionate about um, rugby in Fiji and the you know in the islands as a whole. Really, when you think about what we've done with Super Rugby and the other opportunities we've created in recent years, so um, hopefully in time it can click into place. Uh, Moana Pacifica is funded a lot by you guys. We we make an investment, yes. As we as we do for the draw, yeah. yeah, sustainable. Oh, look, it's something that we're gonna gonna have to keep working at. Um, you know, we're staying really close to both um, both uh, entities, and we are, you know, getting regular updates on on how they're tracking. As we are with our own clubs, because it's mm. not out, it's not easy out there for anyone. So, you know, I think we'll just have to take stock of that through this year and keep a keep a close eye on things. But at the moment, you know, they're going into the season. That's the beauty about. Um, pre-season staff no one's injured and no one's lost a game so uh, yeah so so um, everything's everything's really rosy and positive out there but but we know it's challenging um, you know and, and we know we've got a lot of work to do to to keep growing the game and that but um, you know we feel pretty good going to the start of the year yeah everyone's top of the table at the moment it's great two, yeah. two more questions first one how um, in terms of brand how important is the All Blacks in terms of brand and revenue Oh look, it's look. I'm not going to go into all the matrix and the measures here, but but clearly, um, you know, the the, the All Blacks is um, absolutely critical um, as it relates to you know driving value through the game um, for for to be able to reinvest into all of the game in New Zealand. So, um, and we we know we have a, a special brand that connects and resonates really really strongly with fans all around the world. So, um, part of the challenge. With that is is being able to have greater connectivity 
you know, to fans around the world and, and how we think about doing that. And that's one of the reasons we've obviously taken an investment partner on to help us shape what that um, approach to globalising um, not only not only our brands, but the game more widely, um, you know, we, we think is important as well. So, um, is it basically the domestic market's just not big enough? Is it to, to, to financially sustain New Zealand rugby? Oh, look, we have some amazing partners domestically. You know, Sky mm. have been an incredible partner for almost thirty years. Um, with long-standing partners in the likes of um, Ford and ASB and Sanitarium. Um, you know, we, we're, we're really, really lucky um, to be able to you know call on them as as long-term partners, but. When you look at the international sporting market and being able to drive and grow um, revenues, you have to be able to create a a really strong fan base that, in time, you've got great relationships with, and then over time, you can create value out of. So, yes, we, you know, part of the we have a whole lot of strengths that work for us in our game. We've got a great aligned structure and system that works really well um, from top to bottom. Um, some people might <laughs> beg to differ there, but we do have a system that a lot of people in the world look at and 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 think is really strong. Um, our isolation and sometimes our lack of resources is a real strength too because it creates innovation, creativity and that sort of thing. But the long-term battle here, we do have to you know, recognise that we've got to create value and more revenue in the game to sustain the system that we want. And that's reinvesting in everything I talked about before, grassroots, safety, our professional player base, all of that stuff needs support. Last question, last comment. Uh, Scott Robertson, Razor, you've known him for a while. I've seen him a couple of times when he's come in here. He looks monumentally excited and ready. How excited are you for this year for Razor and his team? Yeah, look, we're, we're hugely excited for him. He's, um, he's come into the role as we expected he would. You know, huge amount of energy, um, huge amount of freshness he's bought, you know, in terms of his, his um, views around the, the game and how he wants to put his campaigns and his teams and his management team, team together. And our role is really to be able to support him in any way we possibly can to do that. So we had a great session yesterday. We had the you know, afternoon um, with some of our team and his team mapping out you know, some, some different aspects of um, the, ne- the next few years and looking back a little bit as well. And it was, it was great to see that level of detail and um, you know, just, just real passion that comes through. He's a former very proud, proud player, as we know. Um, he's connected amazingly well right across the game. So, and before Christmas to, to see our board and stakeholders um, gave a really clear account of his vision there. And then since then, you know, um, he's he's clocking. We saw him down at Black Clash, you know, recently. Yeah, you know, being he, himself. Yeah, he genuinely loves being around people. Um, and we all know he's got a really important job to do, but he's not not lost sight of the fact that you know he knows that um, the role um, of all black coaches something that you know has a lot of scrutiny, um, and that this team's got to connect with the fans and and be you know, accessible and visible to fans. But, um, you know, we want to make sure he, when the time's right, he has all the clear focus he's got to get on and, and do really well with the team as well. Mm. Brilliant, Robbo. appreciate your time today. It's an exciting uh, 12 months coming up uh, with Super. Let's go NPC, my favourite comp. And then uh, an incredible, incredible uh, all-black test schedule, England, Fiji, Argentina, South Africa, twice in Africa. We didn't even talk about that. Japan and Yokohama, England again. Full Twickenham, thanks very much. Put that in my pocket. Island of France and Italy. It's going to be an epic, epic 12 months. Uh, thanks for skipping down the corridor, and we made it happen, mate. We made it that happen. It was great. Look forward to it again sometime, Steph. Yeah, and thanks for your time. Thanks to the listeners, too. Cheers. Cheers, there's Robbo, here's CEO of New Zealand Rugby. We'll be back shortly.